0: And yet still we are told in the scriptures that even when Jesus after his resurrection told the disciples to come to this mountain. And when they got there it even says in the text in Matthew that some didn't believe yet. They were at that place wondering if this is real. This is this really Jesus? Is this someone whom we followed for three years and, and now we see him and he doesn't look the same? So discipleship takes time. But this morning I want to look at the last two parts of what discipleship and what the instructions have to say inside. The first one is, as we've made mention of, measuring our spiritual growth. How do we measure our spiritual growth? How do we come to know? What do we have as a guide? What do we have as a measuring stick a level, if you will, to see if we've grown or not. When my father was alive and we'd go to visit him in his house, he, he always wanted the grandchildren to stand up against the doorpost. And he would take a, a pencil and he'd mark it. He wanted to see if they're growing. Well, Jesus has a measuring stick too. And it's recorded for us in this passage of 1 Corinthians, and I trust you're already there. But we want to look at these four measurements, if you will, four measurements of individuals that the Apostle Paul lists here for us, so that at the end, I trust at the end, you'll at least be able to see where do you measure up? Where do you fit? Which one of these are you? The passage brings up a very interesting spiritual formula, if you will. It says, rate multiplied by time equals distance. Rate multiplied by time equals distance. In in chapter 3, verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, "I, I would like to really give you spiritual food, but you still need milk. And in fact, we can inject, as we look in chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, that the Apostle Paul was expecting them to be further along than what they are. They had time to grow. They should have been a little bit more older, not just in age, but in knowledge of who Jesus Christ is and the things of Christ. And so when we read this, we come with rate multiplied by time equals distance. What do you mean by that, Pastor Doug? Rate at which you grow in your spiritual life in time determines the distance that you've traveled down the road of discipleship. A newborn Christian can dive into the word of God and and is not satisfied with just reading from some simple Bible guide. And I'm not saying that that's bad, but this this is a measurement of rate times time equals distance. And we can have younger Christians who are more who are more mature, more going toward discipleship than when we have older Christians who are just satisfied to where they are. And that's not what the Apostle Paul wants. And that's not what Jesus Christ wants. Jesus wants us to grow, not just in the knowledge of him, but in the desire to even know him more. Jesus, Paul expresses that in Philippians chapter two, when he says that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings, yet not yet being conformed to all that I want to be. It is a growth process. So let's take a look at these individuals and see for sure which one of these do we fit ourselves into. Go back to chapter 2 at verse 10. The Apostle Paul makes a very interesting statement when he says, now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit. You have to stop and ask yourself the question, what things? What things have God shown us? The answer to that question is in verse 9, when it says, "What no eye has seen, no ear heard, And no human heart has conceived that God has prepared these things for those who, what everybody? Love him. Love him. him. That's what the Apostle Paul is getting at in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's all about how deep is your love for Jesus Christ. And Paul says that has to be revealed to us by the Spirit of God who knows the depths of God. It's not long before you you have children and when you begin to understand and know that they come from the same gene pool but they don't swim in the same water. They all have different characteristics They all have different, if you will, likes and dislikes. They all have a different point of view than mom and dad. We would love for them to grow and to be just like us. But that may be a curse for them. And so what what the Apostle Paul is getting at is... What pool are you swimming in? He starts off by highlighting an individual that he calls natural. Non-spiritual. An individual who has no desire to know anything or to even be introduced to the love of God. We call them, in our own vernacular, we call them unsaved. Unsaved. I would rather quote what John writes for us in 1 John 5 and verse 12 when he says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. You either have life or you don't. And the Apostle Paul here in the beginning of, of our reading highlights the fact that individuals who do not have spiritual life, cannot understand or know the things of God. They have a skewed, if you will, knowledge of who God is and what he's done for them. It's not long before you listen to some of the commentaries concerning the situation of our own nation, where they begin to describe the actions of individuals. But what they're missing is this, dear church, is this is the lawlessness of our nation at this moment in this time comes because they don't have life. They have not been awakened by the truths of the scriptures. They're running on emotions and on a philosophy of life that runs contrary to the word of God. And when you try to talk to them about common sense and about who Jesus Christ is, They cannot comprehend it. Why? Because they're a natural man. They have no understanding of what eternal life is. They have no knowledge at all of what Jesus Christ has done for them. They have no understanding of what a life of following God is all about. All they want is to follow their own lusts and hunger. Paul tells it a little bit differently when he says that they don't understand they can't have the mind of God because they don't have the spirit of God. The moment an individual comes to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as his sin bearer, the only one who can pay the price of his sin. We are instantly infused, the scriptures tells us, with the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that works in our conscience. It's the Holy Spirit who brings us, as Jesus said in John chapter 17, he he comes alongside, he's our comforter. And he teaches us things that God wants us to know. The second individual that Paul lists is he entitles the spiritual man. The spiritual one. The spiritual one is the individual who has trusted Jesus Christ and hungers and thirsts for righteousness. Can I ask you a question this morning? That's not a rhetorical question. You can't say no. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you hungering and thirsting after righteousness? Because that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to fall in love with him more and more each and every day. He wants us to be able to be infused with his knowledge that the Holy Spirit will give to us. He wants us to be disciples. He wants us to grow in his knowledge so that we become conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's the second person. But in chapter 3, verses 1 and 3, is where I would say most of us this morning fall into. He describes two other individuals. He starts off by saying brothers and sisters. So he's talking to the church us this morning. And he says this I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people but as people of the flesh as babies in Christ. The next two people are listed as those who are carnal. I love chili con carne. Whenever we go out to eat, which hasn't been too often since March 21st, can I get an amen? If they got chili on the menu, I got it on my plate. I love chili con carne. I don't like the fire of some of it. I love chili con carne. What's interesting, chili con carne, whether you know it or not, is a Greek word. It's chili con carne with meat. Carnal means meat. Flesh. And when the Apostle Paul says, I need to speak to you as carnal individuals, what he is saying is, your flesh is leading The Spirit. Instead of the Spirit leading the flesh. In fact, if you want a very simple definition of what it means to be a spiritual person is this. A disciple is an individual who wants the Spirit to lead his flesh. And not vice versa. And So the Apostle Paul is coming to Corinth and he says, you've had time. You should have been growing at a rate over that time of distance to become disciples of Jesus Christ. Notice what a carnal person can't have. He can't have the meat of the word. He's not interested in that. Now don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with things of this world, as long as they're godly. But when the things of this world interposed upon the things of heaven, we become carnal. We chase after false gods. We chase after replacements of God. We want to take the word of God As an illustration that I gave a few weeks ago, they want to take the word of God and dip it into humanism and bring it out and say, instead of saying, what does the scripture say? They want to say, I want the scripture to say what I want it to say. And it doesn't work that way. God doesn't take a second seat behind anybody. You've all seen those posters, I'm sure, that it says, God is my co-pilot. Well, then I know exactly what you mean. In other words, you still want to show, you still want to run the show, but you want God to be next to you to make sure it's okay. I've not yet seen a bumper sticker that says, God is my pilot. And I'm in the back. I'm not even his co-pilot. Carnality, as Paul is describing it here for us, are individuals who are more interested in things of this world. Now I want to point you out some things of this world. It's the things of the world system. And to know what those are, I want you to turn back to first John. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. When the Apostle Paul talks about worldly things in 1 Corinthians, John is highlighting what they are. Look it. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, here they are, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father. It is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away. But the one who does the will of God remains forever. John and the Apostle Paul are speaking of the same thing, though they use different words. They're talking about a world system. The world system has been developed by little jingles. You deserve a break today. That came on the scene as an advertisement for McDonald's. Have it your way. That was a slogan that Burger King developed. You've come a long way, baby. That's from way back. That's when they made cigarettes just for women. Because they were 101. Weren't satisfied with 100, 101. Long. Be all that you can be. A slogan of the United States Army. The few, the proud. Slogan of the Marines. We've got this idea in our minds that if, if I am not satisfied, Then I will revolt. I was amazed to hear an individual who represents a group of militant people say this that if we don't get what we want, we'll burn the system down. That's the world system. And what they want, their people. And if they get it. Well, I want the Lord to take me out fast. Because it will be worldwide lawlessness. That's a carnal Christian. A carnal Christian who is so much more in love with the world system than they are with the kingdom of God. Then the last one is babies. Babies. Babies in Christ. New believers, individuals who have just come to trust Jesus Christ as their only Savior. Doesn't matter how old you are physically. You can be 90 some years old and become a new baby in Christ. But one thing I know about babies, we've had a few, right, baby? We've had a few of them. (laughs) Is when it comes time for feeding, it's not quiet in the house. They want to be satisfied, they want their milk, they want their nourishment. These are new believers. Calls them babes. They need the milk of the word. Should have been growing, but they've been satisfied to sit in a diaper. Now the question on the table is this. Which one of those groups do you belong to? That's the measurement. If you are the natural man and do not know Jesus Christ Let me give it to you very, very simple. It's this. God has given us a promise. And his word says, he who has the son has life. And it's by belief. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You don't have to stay in that lost condition. It's a choice you make if you wish to be found. And that's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which the Apostle Paul tells us, the gospel by which we are saved is that Jesus Christ died according to the scriptures, was buried, rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and was seen of many. That's the gospel by which we're saved. And all you have to do is believe and ask Christ to be your Savior. The carnal and the babies, they just need to grow. And how do you grow? I'm glad you asked. Let me give you four things, four instances whereby Resources for our growth. First one is this. The scriptures provide the authoritative, objective truth to govern our choices and decision-making. In other words, when there's a decision to be made, where do you go first? Who do you ask first? Who do you want to hear from first? I trust it would be God. What does God's word have to say? I figure that if Joe Biden can stand in a church and begin to share his stuff, I can say this from here, can I? Any candidate, I don't care which candidate it is. I don't care if he rides a donkey Or an elephant. If he is for killing babies. He ain't getting my vote. It's not going to happen. I don't care if he wants to. Or she wants to promise me. Everything is except the moon. You go to the word of God first. Get ready in November dear people. Go to the word of God. And what does God say about their position? It's authoritative, it's a guiding book of every aspect of life. It's inspired by God, it's His Word. Secondly, the Holy Spirit empowers Christians to obey the demands of Scripture. As they live under the influence of, as Ephesians five eighteen says, and not forsake the Spirit of God in their lives, and we do this by making worship a lifestyle and not just an event. The old hymn writer said it well: "Is your all on the altar laid?" Are you a living sacrifice? Thirdly, this is one we don't like. God does use trials to reveal to us our strengths and weaknesses so that we can see the areas that still need work. Trials, while painful, are a good surgeon's knife, always designed to make us better. Trials. Trials. James tells us that we're to rejoice in them. Wasn't a whole lot of rejoicing going on Friday afternoon, me laying in the bed. Trials. If we didn't have trials, James tells us, then we wouldn't grow. Because the purpose of trials is to make us mature. Perfect, he says. Trials have a way of doing that. Pop quizzes in school. Come home from choir tour one year while I was at Lancaster Bible College in my first class. It was Mr. Earl Osborne. You don't know him. Some of you may know him. That man was tough. Tough. After spring break, coming back, first class of the day, take out a piece of paper. I got one question, pop quiz. You're either going to get 100 or zero. Here was this question. What's the footnote on page 35? All I heard was crunching of paper. Nobody knew. Trials. The last one is God gives us relationships so that the spiritual passion of others keeps us spiritually hot and the discipling process is kept on track. God brings along to us individuals to carry us. It's called iron sharpening iron. And it's those people that keep us to make sure that we are on the track of discipleship. I want to leave you this morning with a story. A a story of decision. A man once became lost in the desert. His throat was parched and he knew he wouldn't live much longer if he didn't get some water. Just then, off in the distance, he saw a little old shack. He made his way to it and found a pump inside with a jug of water sitting next to it. He reached for the jug to take a drink only to find that there was a note on the jug. The pump, it says, the note, the pump will give you all the water you need. But in order to prime the pump, you must pour all the water in the jug. The man had a dilemma. Should he drink the water in the jug and then be out of water and perhaps be unable to get more? Or should he believe the note and use the water? that he had to pump, prime the pump. He began to think through these choices. Suppose I pour all the water in a pump and nothing happens. I not only lose the water, I lose my life. On the other hand, if there is a well underneath this pump and I can use the water to prime it, then I get all the water I need. This thirsty man's dilemma is the question we have to ask ourselves as a disciple. Do we get all we can get now because there might not be much later? Or do we give up what we can now because of all that's available if we're willing to take the risk and committing ourselves to Christ? The man thought for a moment and then decided to take the risk. He poured the contents of the jug into the pump and began to work the handle. Sweat broke out on his forehead as nothing happened at first. But as he pumped, a few drops of water appeared. And then came a huge gush. He drank all he wanted. He took a bath. Then he filled up every other container he could find in the shack. Because he was willing to give up momentary satisfaction, the man got all the water he needed. Now the note also said, after you've finished, please refill the jug for the next traveler. The man refilled the jug and added to the note, please prime the pump. Believe me, it works. We need to prime the pump. Some of us are only half-stepping in Christ." We're trying to live in two worlds at the same time. We want to be sacred and secular, worldly and spiritual. We want to love God and love this world order. But my charge to you is this. Remember, you can have the world if you want it. You just can't have the world and God at the same time. And anything the world can give us is not worth the price of admission. We have to pour out all the water, give God everything that we have. And when we do that, we will have plenty to quench our thirst. Let's pray. Father. Father. The measurement of Scripture is forth telling. There are four areas that we could find ourselves. Those who are lost. Those who are spiritual. Those who are carnal and those who are babies. You all want, you want us all to be Spiritual. But we've got to pour the water of self into the pump of Jesus so that we can have all that Jesus wants to give us. Living a life to be a disciple of Christ is costly. But the rewards are far beyond what we can imagine. Lead us, O God. Let us hunger and thirst after righteousness. Because you know that's what the world needs today. More disciples of Christ. Teach us, O God, in your name. Amen.